What's up? What's up? How's everybody feeling here on this Monday? Welcome into the show. Jason Ross here with you for 90 minutes. Because at uh, that time, Monday night football, I would say weather permitting, they're playing. They're playing tonight in Buffalo. And man, woo! snow flurries, wind, chill, cold, wind gusts up to 46 miles per hour, sustained at 24 miles per hour, 34 degrees at game time, mostly with clouds and flurries. Football weather, right? I always laugh about that. I say that in every broadcast I've probably ever done for Sac State. It's perfect football weather, whether that's the beginning of the year and it's 85 or 90, wet and rain and cold, windy, snowy. They play football. The games go on. So we will have Monday night football coming up after us, 90 minutes um, of show for you today as we got plenty to get to. We'll start by saying Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. So over the next 90 minutes, plenty for us to cover. Uh, we were off a couple days last week, off a couple days this week too, getting some uh, R&R time in. And uh, we will continue with that. Uh, we'll be off tomorrow and Wednesday, but back Thursday, Friday, and then uh, pretty much back and ready to roll. Uh, Kings will be back in action on Wednesday. And a good break for them. Good weekend for them too. Nice win over the Clippers. We'll discuss that. It was another busy weekend of NFL action. And uh, hmm. Raiders and Niners didn't represent themselves very well at all. We will be discussing that today. There's a lot going on in sports too. College football, a wild week, and continues into today with the coaching carousel continuing. All that and so much more to get into. So let's do it. Let's start you out here right off the top of the show with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First. The Seahawks win here in Lumen Field. Over the Niners by a score of 30-23. to 23. Well, the Niners yesterday deserved everything that happened to them. There's really no other way for me to look at that game. It was so winnable. We talked about things last week, how this was set up for San Francisco. And this was an opportunity. I mean, this was like such on a platter for them. This has been a rival. Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, a team that's just bothered you been in your way taking you out of some dream situations you've beaten them too I mean it's not like the Niners haven't had any success against Seattle but they're down and you could have basically knocked them out and just propelled your way and keep things going in the direction that they had been going for the Niners with the win over the Rams the win over the Jags and then the uh, win over the Vikings so that really got them into the playoff bracket and put them in really good position which they still are in and we'll explain that coming up but yesterday was a day where, okay, based on what was left on the schedule, based on who you were playing, where you were playing them, it, it just felt like there was so much here for San Francisco to just rip the spirit away from the Seahawks. Keep your season going forward. Take whatever hopes, as slim as it was, out. And it's still really slim. I don't think this is doing anything for Seattle. Don't don't kid yourself. But... Now you've lost to them twice? What's going on here? You're back to 500. Are they a 500 team? I do feel like the Niners are better than that, but they weren't yesterday after <laughs> the fake pun- I got to play that one because this one was just what was going on here. Brandon Ayuk and a fake. The fake is coming near side 40. Midfield is Travis Homer. 40. He's going to go 30. He's running 20, 15, 10, 5. Flips into the end zone. Touchdown. 73 yards, pull out all the stops on the first drive of the game. Yep, fake punt for 73 yards. Longest play from scrimmage for them. Um, Just completely lost him. Special teams was an absolute mess for the 49ers. Turnovers, even getting stops when they got them, but giving them full field to have to go with. Kittle was great. Uh, Jimmy G was not. Up and down. Two big mistakes. Mitchell was fine. Um, they certainly can't rely solely on Debo Samuel, who's great, who wasn't there. But you, you're you going to have to figure out other ways to win without him. But when you're up 17-7, even 23-14, and it was 23-21 at the half, but I'm thinking, all right, 23, well, it was it was unfortunate to give up that score right before the end of the half. 
But the Niners are probably going to put up 10, 14 more at least in the second half. Nothing. Nothing in the second half. Even that late drive. Like, it was all there for them. All of it. And they couldn't capitalize on plays. Couldn't capitalize on extending the game. Couldn't capitalize on expanding the lead early. Um, Seattle's not a great team. They're not. Russell Wilson can be. And the 49ers got injuries again in the secondary and had to try to overcome that and couldn't. And this is only one loss. The, the, the good thing here is here's the good news. It was one loss. The standings, it's fine. The problem is, who who are you? What are you? You were just starting to feel really good about this team. At least I was, based on the three previous wins, including a really good win against the Rams. I mean, just the way they played against the Rams. Now, you could minimize Jacksonville's win if you want. That doesn't matter. You can minimize even the... The win last week against the Vikings, but that was an important game. I told you last week, with the six games left, I thought the Niners, all they had to do was go 3-3. Three and three. Maybe not even that, but if there was the most important games left, were probably Seattle and Atlanta. Because Seattle you'd already lost to. You'd basically beat them and bury them, get them out of it. That's just a team that's out of the way. And they still may be that, but they've now beaten you twice. So if somehow Seattle makes a run, that's going to hurt you. But... Atlanta, get them out of the picture if you can beat them. Have any tiebreakers. You got it with Minnesota. You got it with these Philly, with some of these other teams that are kind of flirting with this position. You get a great performance from Kittle. And, it's again, you had the Seattle team. They were so beatable yesterday. And the Niners left the door open many, many times. And like I said, I think they got exactly what they deserved. They didn't play sharp. They weren't their best. Special teams was bad again. Here's uh, Coach Shanahan after the game. I know we were all disappointed, very frustrated. You know, we felt we had a lot of self-inflicted stuff that was always, you know, it's caused by other teams, so I'm not taking anything away from them, but that we had opportunity at the beginning of the game to kind of just really felt like we were ready to go, you know, giving them that, that punt return gave them a lot of life. Well, that was even the first score. I mean, I played that. That was 7 nothing, but I thought the Niners responded great. 7-7, seven, 14-7, seven, seven, uh, 17-7. So, I mean, you score the next 17 points on the road. You've established that you're the better team. It took them a gadget play to get ahead of you. Now, you weren't on it. You weren't focused. You weren't locked in. But you regrouped from that. And then you you tied it. You went ahead one score. You went ahead two scores. And so right then and there, you're going, okay, good for them. They are ready to go. They had a mistake. You can ha- you're can you going to have multiples in games. And I thought they recovered well from that. But 17-7 is 23-21 at the half. And they were ahead, but then nothing, nothing in the second half, nothing in the fourth quarter, and you lose by seven thirty to twenty three. Here's a Jimmy G after the game. It was a dogfight. It was. We knew that going into the game, though. It's always, you know, whatever the records are between these teams, it's always going to be a sixty minute game, and that was a battle. It really was. There's some sore guys out there, both sides of the ball, but you know, at the end of the day, we just got to finish that drive. Yeah, I mean, there were things there, and I think they might have broke through there on that last play, but it was batted down. At the line of scrimmage, there was some questionable play calling. I just thought there was all sorts of things that left you going, huh? What? Why? And the Niners, like I said, deserved everything they got yesterday. It's just not their best performance. I thought they could have just really put themselves in a terrific position in the standings, in the playoffs, uh, beating a nemesis, burying a nemesis. That's the key is Seattle, I don't know how long they'll be down. They're not having a great year. We know that. But keep them down. Bury them. They had already beaten you once. This should have been the revenge game. And you were in their house. There's there's nothing better than that. And the way it was going, like I said, to be down after the fake punt, to respond, to take the lead, to go up two scores on the road in their building with a lot of red there. There was a lot of 49er red there. And by the end, it's a bad loss for San Francisco. We'll talk more about that as they get ready now for Cincinnati on the road this week. First things first. All right, now let's get to the Raiders. They were at home playing a Washington football team that is a whole lot of okay, if even that. Not a great football team. I think they compete. I think Ron Rivera always gives them, you know, pretty good game plans, good schemes, gives them a chance. And for the Raiders, they look exactly, you know, uh, was it Bill Parcells that said it? You are what your record is. I mean, that's who you are. The Raiders look exactly like that, like a 500 team. And I think there's a difference here. The Niners are 500. I feel like they're a better team than that. The Raiders, it feels right. Six and six. They're not terrible. They're not. 
They're not great either. And their best player to me is still Derek Carr. And when he can't be a dominant quarterback, he was fine. Again, just fine yesterday. But they couldn't convert on any really big plays or touchdowns for that matter. And when your best player in a game, for the most part, is your kicker, that's a problem. And that's what happened to the Raiders again yesterday. Drives that stalled out, that settled in field goals. And Daniel Carlson continues to have a good year, but he had what? The Raiders scored four times, and he hit three field goals. He got the one touchdown and ultimately put themselves in a spot to be ahead, but uh, couldn't hang on. And they lost 17-15. They now go to 6-6 six and six overall. A disappointing 3-4 and four at home. But every Vegas game doesn't feel like it's really a home game to them. I know the atmosphere seems pretty electric and pretty fun. But there's plenty of Washington football team fans there. It's been that way when the... Um, whoever's been in that building. The Bears. Um, Chiefs. So on and so forth. Plenty of people have had reason to celebrate there. And be excited. And Washington had to rally for that win, but they did. So the Raiders go to 6-6, six and six, miss out on an opportunity again to try to be a bigger factor in the playoff picture. There's still a few weeks to go. That still could be changed. But 7-5 and five would have put them in right there in a tie with the Chargers and Bengals. And now that's when you start to get into the tiebreaker situation. Losing to the Bengals hurts. Losing to the Chargers would hurt. But you got to get in that mix. Now you're a full game behind them. And it's just, this would be a team like if I, it, both teams are here at the exact same spot, the Raiders and Niners at six and six. Niners path is better, is clearer, it should be easier. But just if you guys, maybe you're not even attached to either team, but if you watch each team each week, like I do, who looks better to you? To me, the Niners do. And I don't think it's really that much of a stretch. I don't think it's that difficult to say that. The Niners, I think, have a few more built in. Uh, reasons to why maybe they're six and six. They've had some very important injuries that have derailed them. The Raiders did get one obviously yesterday and Kenyon Drake who broke his ankle is going to be season any surgery, but um, I just don't see uh, the Niners. Let's put it this way. Easiest way to put it. They have a higher ceiling. They have a higher ceiling than the Raiders. Raiders can beat anybody. They can beat the chiefs this week. I don't think they will, but they can. The problem is I don't believe they're a consistent team and that's what 500 teams do. They played great against the Cowboys. They looked good. That was awesome. They were the team that had extra time to get ready for Washington. Washington had less time. They came out quicker. They came out more energetic. They came out more focused, more lively. And the Raiders had a lot more to play for. Now, the Raiders, the way it concludes, Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers. On paper, I don't see a lot of wins there. So, as I said, I feel like they're about a 500 team. Well, that could get real nasty on them and turn to a you know a very subpar season after a year that was filled with a bunch of turmoil that they seemingly have responded to. Uh, but it's also an opportunity for Rich Bisaccia, who was named interim coach, if he coached them to the playoffs or exceeded expectations, maybe he keeps the job. At this point, it's not looking like that. Here he is post game. We got to find a way to score more than fifteen points, obviously. Thought we had a chance there at the end. If, if Trayvon Merrick hangs, hangs on to that, uh, the game got a chance to be over. Well, there's always ifs, a what-if game, right? But uh, that's the other issue, 15 points. If, if you're looking at the Raiders and you watch them, you're certainly not going to count on their defense. They had the graphic during the game that in the last, well, I think it was four to six weeks, they were the worst defense in the NFL. They've been one of the worst defenses over the last couple of years. It had been better early, but you also looked early on, and there are three wins, remember, to start the year, 33 points against the Ravens, 31 against the Dolphins, put up another 26 against the Steelers last week in that great win on uh, Thanksgiving, 36 on the Cowboys, 15 to Washington, 14 on the Chiefs, 13 on the Bengals, 16 on the Giants. So here's their that's four of their last five weeks. The one win, they erupt for 36. The losses, 16, 14, 13, 15. That's supposed to be the strength of this team. Supposed to be. So they've got to find something offensively here. And to me, I know we had it, uh, what, two weeks ago when Lincoln was on with us, and he'll be back with us this week, but Lincoln suggested, I I might make a quarterback switch, even for just a spark. He knows Carr is important, long-term success to this team, but 
offense has just not been clicking with the exception of that Cowboy game. Here's a Derek Carr. It's very frustrating. Field goals, they're not going to win you games. You know, you got to get touchdowns, um, especially teams that we have coming up playing. We're going to need touchdowns in, uh, in, order, to, in order to win those games. So uh, very frustrating, uh, especially with how close some of those plays were. Yeah, but you needed them against the Giants. You needed them against Washington. You needed touchdowns against the Chiefs in the previous meeting, against the Bengals. These games, they were there to be had. And the NFL a lot of times comes down to it in the fourth quarter, last five minutes. And the Raiders are there. That's the good sign. The bad sign is that they don't have enough playmakers, whether that's defensively or offensively, to win. And back to my original point, that makes them about a 500 team, which they are now at 6-6. Six and six. They're not terrible. They've got enough to be about this. And a break here or there, maybe they're a 7-8. Maybe right now they'd be 8-4. and four. That'd be top in the division. I wouldn't consider them a threat. That's just maybe they got more of the breaks. But they haven't. They didn't. And they haven't created them for themselves. And here they are now at 6-6, and like we said, with the Chiefs coming up this weekend. First things first. First things first. First. All right, tonight, Monday Night Football. And for those of you that will be listening to this or – Better yet, watching it, we've got the images on here uh, in our studio, the TV there. Uh, Josh Allen right now is wearing a red hooded sweatshirt. It's got a skull cap on under that. Snow is all over the place. And when they say flurries, it's just snow coming in sideways. So it is going to be cold, chilly, snowy, blustery, whatever you want to describe. It's going to be nasty there tonight in Monday Night Football, which you'll be able to hear right here on KHDK. Now, what's interesting about the matchup is you've got the hottest team going right now in the AFC in the New England Patriots and then Buffalo, who I think is a good football team, but the Patriots right now have been far more balanced. Patriots, talk about what ifs, a couple of early season games that uh, a couple of fumbles and a couple of different situations there. This team could be, what, 10 and 6? But they're 8 and 4. Their point differential is just growing by the week, so they're beating people easily. Had that one win where they put 55, I think, on the Jets or 54 or something like that a few weeks back. They're balanced. They know who they are. They're going to defend. They're going to run a controlled line of scrimmage, and Mac Jones has just been executing. So you basically have to either, one, if you're the Bills, out-execute them, which most people don't do that to the Patriots, or your best players just have to be that special. And Josh Allen can do that, but hasn't been doing that enough this year. Early on, Buffalo looks so good. As I said from the beginning of the year, that's been my Super Bowl pick. And they haven't looked like that team as of late. They do, we like to talk about win resumes, have some great wins this year. They had that stretch there where they had, um, they took out the Chiefs in convincing fashion. Um they had those blowout shutout wins. They had the shutout of the Dolphins, thirty-five to nothing. The Texans, forty to nothing. Dolphins, by the way, also are crazy hot right now too. Um, but then you go the last couple of weeks, six points to Jacksonville, blown out forty-one fifteen by the Colts when Jonathan Taylor ran all over them. So, but they responded with a really nice Thanksgiving win, a convincing win in New Orleans against the Saints. So, trying to figure out really where Buffalo is. And early on when Buffalo would stub their toe, I'd said, uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. They're going to win the division. I mean, who's going to get them? The Jets? The Dolphins? At that point were, I think, something like 1-7. It's like, no, they're fine. And the Patriots, yeah, they're going to be around a 500 team. Well, it's wrong on them because New England here is uh, from 2-4 and four now to 8-4. and 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 it's a, it's a big game for playoff implications, for division lead and status. And the fact that they'll play again in two weeks. But for Buffalo to be at home, I think this game means far more to them than it does to New England. Now, you look at it from each side. If Buffalo wins this game, they go to 8-4, and four, New England drops to 8-5. and five. You flip it, New England would stay hot. They'd win in Buffalo. They'd get another you know, full game on them. And I think a lot of people would now be talking about the New England Patriots as a team that has a nice path to get to the Super Bowl. That's how much this game can swing things. So Buffalo and New England late in the year, Monday night football. It's going to be brutal to watch as far as from here. 
But you know there's going to be people in Buffalo without shirts on. There just will be. The freak shows in Buffalo. Painted chests. We get it. It's You're tough. It's cold. It's cold. So yes. The, the freaks come out at night? The freaks do come out at night. Okay. Buffalo especially. And so that one's coming up, coming your way here shortly, uh, following us in just over an hour. First things first. First things first. Mishandled the ball, but saves it. Gives to Morris. Fires for three. Line drive off target. That should do it. Chased down by Fox. Horn sounds. And after eight and a half years of frustration against the Los Angeles Clippers in Sacramento, after losing 15 consecutive times on their home floor, the Kings have finally beaten the Clippers in California's capital city. The final is 104 to 99. Make it two wins this week by the Kings over the Clippers. And the Clippers record now back to 500 at 12 and 12. The Kings get their fourth home court win and improve their record to 10 and 14. That's the great G-man, Gary Gerald, right here on KHDK on Saturday. Yes, L.A. week came to an end, and it was a weird one, right? They had that awful loss at home to the Lakers when it was going well for a while, and then they just completely fell apart. They go to L.A. to Staples Center and beat the Clippers, and okay, the argument might be, well, they didn't have Paul George. Fact, they didn't. Kings played well, built a huge lead, had to hang on to win that. And then Saturday, oh, Paul George was there. The Aaron Fox guarded him, did a good job on him, but the rest of the Kings contributed, really got a nice win, and so L.A. week comes up uh, pretty well for the Kings where they go 2-1. and one. This team is just weird. It's a really weird season for them right now. Still below 500. They kind of go through their peaks and valleys. As G-Man described there, that's their 10th win. I was looking back at this. They have two wins against the Clippers, two wins against the Pelicans. Um, that's four of their 10 wins. And then they had another team they've beaten twice. Um, I just blanked on that. I'll get that for you here. But it's just a situation where this team, you know, is trying to find its way. And oh, and two wins against Portland. And when it seems like they've found their groove, then they crash. And then when the crash seems like it's something they just can't get out of, they respond. So the week ahead for the Kings will start with a Wednesday game at home against Orlando. Then they uh, hit a road trip for Toronto and Cleveland. Uh, excuse me, Charlotte and Cleveland. And Toronto will be the conclusion of the uh, road trip as that'll get started on Friday. So uh, the other news regarding the Kings, Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless now have been upgraded to questionable for Wednesday's game against Orlando. You also had Tyrese Halliburton that was out of practice today, uh, non-COVID, but illness. I didn't seem too concerning for uh, Coach Alvin Gentry. Uh, we'll get more into the Kings coming up too, but uh, beating the Clippers 2-0 against them, that's nice. The way the whole bracket and the standings look, We'll update that, too. It's just even all these self-inflicted wounds, the Kings are kind of in that mix again. And are they going to just be flirting with this? Like I've been saying, I thought they would be a top-10 team. I really thought it wouldn't be that difficult for them. It's proving to be very difficult, and I hate for them to get there out of process of elimination as opposed to earning it. But at this point, it's looking more like that than uh, them earning it. So still a lot of basketball to go and a lot more show for us to get to when we come back. We're going to talk more about the weekend in the NFL, including the good, the bad, and the ugly for the San Francisco 49ers. We'll explain when we come back. We'll do that right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140, KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. One hour from now, it's Monday Night Football. Chris, would you ever go to a game like that, by the way? the it, Like, when you know going in, it's snowing. Snow flurries. No. What's the worst, coldest, whatever? I mean, we're Californians, I get it. We're spoiled. Uh, what would be, can you think of the worst elements you've ever been to in a game? Uh, just cold. Uh, I went to a... San Francisco Demons game. Oh. In the rain. I was there. Which I remember was terrible. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Croatia was freezing. 
Okay. Like but, what what temperature are we talking? Uh low to mid thirties. Oof. And that's the thing is if you I went to the Pac twelve championship, UCLA and Oregon and Autzen Stadium, I don't know how many years ago it was, and it was I mean, I knew it was gonna be cold and I tried to layer and bundle and yes, I'm I'm soft, but Man, it's just it's one of those things once you get cold you don't really warm up. That's the problem. You got to avoid that first bit of cold. Yeah, I and I wasn't prepared for it. I had like no hat. Oh, okay. No gloves or anything like that. Yeah. So I had to rush to a store to get a beanie. Yeah. Head and feet. If you're head and feet and your hands are warm, I think you got a shot. But man, no matter how many layers, I just don't know. The snow, I've never been in a game of snow. Oh, well, I've broadcasted a game that's had that, but I've been in the, you know, always say in the press box, it's 70. You're fine. But as far as out on the field or sitting in the stands, I remember going to, of all things, in Southern California when they used to have the Freedom Bowl at Anaheim Stadium. We went one year and it had been in December, and it was just, it just poured. It wasn't that cold, but you're just sitting in, and at that point, I think I might have been in high school, and not, I didn't even have like a poncho, just like jeans, and you're just getting drenched. But it's like, well, Yep, watching the football game in the rain. Not much fun. So tonight, it's a snowy game. It'll be on here on KHDK coming your way here in about one hour is when we'll get you to that. But want to go back to the good, the bad, and the ugly for the 49ers because yesterday, again, so disappointing. If we just go to the game, all of that to me was disappointing. The small picture, the, the, the kind of the micro picture of yesterday's game was bad. And it was a missed opportunity. Could have further jumped up into the standings, buried Seattle, uh, the feel good of beating them, right? Really, maybe even ending the Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson era. Yes, there's more games, but I don't know if that thing is going to continue much longer than this. And it just would have been a nice tone for the 49ers. It's a rival. You'd love to beat them. You, I mean, even if the if the Seahawks were the best team in the NFL or the worst team, you just as a Niner fan, you'd love to beat them. And they were beatable, and you had a 17-7 lead in their building. And then you just went bleh the rest of the way. There was just nothing of substance. And it was frustrating to watch. And I know it was frustrating for the coaches. And here's Kyle Shanahan. We're prepared for it, but it's sports, you know. I mean, we tried to play our best, but there's some turnovers. Wish we caught that ball on third down. Um, some mistakes we had, but, yeah, we were prepared. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, but it's about results, right? And the results just weren't there for them. How about Jimmy G? Good, bad, and different, whatever it is. And, you know, the, that whole football game comes down to one play at the end. It's just it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but that's also – I disagree with that in one sense. Technically, he's right. But I feel like the Niners' special teams, uh, offense, let them down in the second half and made it come down to the one play. So that's where the frustration lies, where they didn't play their best football. They deserve to lose, to me, in my opinion. But they had every opportunity still to win, and unfortunately – uh, came up short. Now, that's the bad. That's the, the bad part of the ugly performance yesterday. Still where I think the Niners in the big picture are going to be just fine is even after the loss, they're still in the top seven. Now, remember, seven make it. I feel like they're pretty safe, but I I had counted on this weekend being a win for them. Would have put them in even a more comfortable position. So now you either have to get maybe a game you're not expecting – or get a little more help. I don't think they're going to need much help as long as they take care of their own business. My point is this. They're currently 6 and 6. Washington is also 6 and 6 and I think by tiebreakers they didn't play each other head to head, but uh, Washington moves up. Let me see what's this tiebreakers based on best winning percentage in conference games. So, anyway, even if the Niners had won yesterday, the reality of them catching Arizona to win the division isn't happening. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, you're going to be a wild card team. Now, you could be higher up. That's fine. But now you look at who would they maybe play? Can the Niners go into Dallas and win? Tampa? Green Bay? Yeah. Yes, they can. They are good enough. They are more than capable of doing that. It won't be easy. The road's more difficult. They have to get themselves healthy. There were little glimpses yesterday of, of seeing, you know, the big game from Kittle. We know how important Debo Samuel is to the team. Elijah Mitchell's been great. You can see the offensive DNA of what would be a good version of the 49ers. Limited mistakes by Jimmy G, 
Ground game of Mitchell with a sprinkle of Debo Samuel. Short passing game to Kittle and Ayuk and even Debo Samuel. And defense and way better special teams than yesterday. And that's that should travel. That should be able to go to Dallas. That should be able to compete in Tampa. That should be able to compete in Green Bay. If that's who they're facing or Arizona, whoever it may be. So the loss in the big picture doesn't crush any playoff hopes. It really doesn't change much of the the outlook. You just can't have too many more slip-ups. Right behind them is Philly. Philly's at 6-7. and seven, has played one more game, so they got a bye still to come. But remember, the 49ers beat them head-to-head. So that's a good sign. The Eagles would have to get a full game ahead of San Francisco. Behind them, at 5-7, and seven, is Minnesota. Another team. The Niners just defeated a week ago. So they have a tiebreaker on them, and the Niners have a full game, basically two full games on them. And then you start to go further down the line, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta. Now, remember, they still play Atlanta. That's the game I was referring to earlier as a really big game for the 49ers as a winnable game, a game to give you an advantage on Atlanta, bury them, hopefully, and give yourselves another win. So they're probably not catching teams like Dallas, Rams, Buccaneers, so on and so forth, but maybe looking at a six or seven seed, barring a collapse. And if we give you the rest of the schedule for the 49ers, It's Cincinnati this week on the road. It's a good team. The Niners can go in there and win. Falcons, I feel like, becomes that must-win game. Home for the Titans. Home, or excuse me, at the Titans. Home for the Texans. And then you finish at the Rams. The last thing you want is that Rams game to be that important. Like, you have to win to get in. It might be a positioning, you know, a standings position for a playoff one goes to a three C or one goes to a four, five, six, whatever, six, seven. That's what it could be, but or the five, six, seven spot. So big picture, I think the 49ers are just fine. But you don't want to feel like that, where you say there's more talent on the table, there's more ability to improve, to have a higher seedling. You want to play your best football at the end, and the three game win streak was starting to get you in that spot, and then here's this game that you go backwards and you hope it's just one game. But like I said, you start to slip up. Cincinnati's going to be in a spot where they feel like they need to win this week. They're seven and five. They're right on that playoff fringe for the AFC playoff picture. So big games are still ahead. The 17 weeks of games, 17 games, 18 weeks makes, makes this a little bit more interesting too, right? The, the lengthening season. So depth injuries, are all going to be a factor in this. And losing Debo Samuel hurt the team. I mean, it did. He's been their best offensive player. So he's not gone for the, for the long haul. But you could tell how important he is to the overall scheme of things with what Kyle Shanahan likes to do with this team. And just another year of watching Kyle Shanahan coach Jimmy G, you could just tell he doesn't fully, fully trust and trust is such a a a strong word in this case but I don't feel like he opens the entirety of the playbook for him and I think that's why they wanted Trey Lance he needs to his time I guess to get ready to be groomed practice reps needs to get healthy too and I feel like Kyle Shanahan John Lynch everybody in the Niners front office felt there is a higher ceiling a broader playbook that they could utilize with someone like Trey Lance. They're not there yet, and they don't really have to worry about that right at this moment. But Jimmy G made a couple of critical errors and still, yes, let him down. You just I never fully have the utmost confidence in him that when they're down, whether it's two or six, needing a field goal or a touchdown, that he's always going to prevail. Whereas there's other quarterbacks like, oh, we've seen this movie. You know it's going to happen. I feel like he can, but it's like, yeah, is he? Is it going to happen? I I could believe either one. Or here's where he's going to make the pick. Here's where he's going to make the one mistake. And that's a tough way to feel uh, when watching him. A couple others uh, had texted in here when I had asked earlier, who's really in a better spot right now? The 49ers or the Raiders? Or who do you think is a better team? And to me, I think it's the Niners. Both are 6-6. and Uh, Let's see, we got a couple different responses. Uh, Raiders fan here, and I'll say the Niners are better 
because their run game is so strong, they dominate on the O-line. Okay, that was one. Another response, the Raiders have a better quarterback, so I actually give them a better chance. I don't disagree with that. I like Carr over Garoppolo, but I wish Carr would be more dominant in some of these games. Again, he's he's better to me than Jimmy Garoppolo, but not by a lot, and not the top 10-ish type of quarterback where he's really good, but at this point, I don't feel like he's made them... He hasn't been a difference maker in making the, the Raiders win a bunch of these games, whereas... Um, if you take whoever you think the best quarterback is in the league, Aaron Rodgers, and give him just a terrible roster, I still think he finds ways to win games. He's that talented. Um, so we'll see. We will see. Here's another one. Yeah, I'm saying he's better than Jimmy G, and that's why they're in a better spot, um, meaning that about the Raiders. So I think the Niners are in a better position. I think they're the better team. They're certainly in a better position than the Raiders. There's more competition in the AFC. If you think about it from the AFC's perspective, there are 12 teams right now that are 500 or above, and the Dolphins are 6-7 and seven, and winners of 5 in a row, and they're the, the 13th team. The Jets and the Texans and the Jags are all a mess. But the rest, everybody's still in play, whereas the NFC, yeah, there's a bunch of teams hovering in that 5-7, and 4-8 and eight range, and then there's the Lions. Oh, yeah, the Lions. We're going to talk about them when we come back, more about the Raiders as well, as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, and yes. caught. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. They did it. Amon Ross St. Brown in the receiving end. Oh, they're rushing the field. They've done it. Three zeros on the clock. This game is over. It's over. Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. His first career touchdown. And how big is that? Oh, my goodness. And, but it's also, that's what makes us great, you know. And it, it look, when you lose, it hurts. It's hard. It's hard. But it's also why winning is so great in this league, because it's not easy to do. And when you get them, man, it's special. Oh, the Lions, they did it. They did it. My secret hope was 0-15-2. I wanted that second tie, so it wouldn't be that 16-loss season that they had a couple of years ago. Uh, they already had the tie with Pittsburgh, and yesterday, that was a classic Detroit Lions game. It looked like they were going to win, then it looked like they were definitely going to lose, and then they ultimately did win at the end. And, uh, man, Minnesota's going to be kicking themselves for that loss uh, Dan Campbell, I don't know how long. I don't know how long he's going to have that job, if that long at all. I will say this though, they do play for him. They are just this dis, uh, dysfunctional mess that believes together that they're a dysfunctional mess, and I'll give him that. But he seems to have all the spirit, all the heart, all the hope, all the belief. But sometimes coaches himself into a knot and just what are you doing? But there they go. They break free and break uh, break through to get one of the better wins yesterday, one of the more surprising wins. And they have had such a topsy-turvy year. I think about to their loss earlier in the year when Tucker hit that one off the crossbar to beat them. Um, other opportunities, but finally to get a win. Did you happen to hear what Jared Goff said after the game about uh, them winning? Yes, but you have it for us? I do have okay. it. So you want me to play it? Yeah. It came down to one play, and we were able to make it. And um, I think the theme of, of what I'll speak about is is the fact that we made some mistakes, and we weren't perfect. We played well in the first half, but that second half offensively, we stalled. I threw the pick with the fourth down turnover. Uh, you know, we weren't we weren't good. We weren't perfect. But um, having the ability to overcome mistakes is a sign of a good team and a winning team. That's that sure is a sign of a good team and a winning and a team. winning team. So yeah. Does this start a run for the Lions? Do they win out? Well, he's like explaining why they they overcame all of their obstacles that they put out themselves. Yes, it's like yeah, you did do that. Yeah. Good for you. All that's, the times. That's a sign of a good team, <laughs> a, and winning a winning team. team. <laughs> oh, one ten and one. You never want to be the first team to lose to that team. Like I said earlier, it also helped the Niners. 
who uh, could have seen Minnesota at 6-6. Six and six. Now the Niners would still have been ahead of them with the tiebreaker. But, man, the Niners got so much help, too, there. And Detroit, I, I found myself rooting for the Lions yesterday. Were you? Uh, or did you care? Uh, so I was one of those people that was very happy, like, oh, man, what's Paul Allen's <laughs> reaction right. going to be? His Twitter was interesting. And it's just like, oh, oh man, he's just going to lose it. And he was just like, eh, they lost. Yeah. Lions won. It's like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to feel your pain. And he just didn't, he didn't quite have it yesterday. He was one. just like, oh, there, they did it. There we go. Yeah, they did it. Good for them. Yeah, so good for Storm the Lions. Of the court. What's that? Storm of the Court. Yes, Storm of the Court. Hmm. Oh, well. All right, so there you go. That was one of the wins yesterday that uh, I think caught notice. And also afterwards, good for Coach Campbell to uh, for his dedication to the football, certainly to all the stuff and the struggles that have been happening in that area for Oxford and all that. So uh, that was good. That was really good by him and by the uh, Lions. So they got the win. So other, other things that stood out yesterday, I want to spend a few more thoughts, too, on the Raiders to get a little more reaction to that. Um, because missed opportunity in that loss to Washington, yet another winnable game. Uh, here was Coach Basaccia. If you're results-oriented all the time, then you're just looking at the scoreboard, you're spending your life up there. So there's a process to what we try to do. There's a process to improving every day. So, again, we lost the game. Uh, we have to come back tomorrow, figure out some of the reasons why, and then get ourselves ready for Wednesday practice, see if we can correct those mistakes, and get ready to go play Kansas City. You know, that's very much coach speak, and that's very much from a coach that would maybe be around for two, three, four years trying to build a foundation, get better. This is his job opportunity, and I don't think it's going to be something that he's going to keep this job and be the Raiders coach going forward. I would really be surprised. So, I, you know, not that you have to coach differently, but maybe even sound differently or the approach to the media or the approach to your players. I mean, the Raiders have just been through so much this year and back to the original point that I don't think talent-wise that I don't know that they're really underachieving. I think this is about what they are, about a 500 team. So um, missed opportunity for them. Here's more from their quarterback, Derek Carr. Every game in the NFL is a chess match between the decision maker and the defense coordinator, offense coordinator, you know, vice versa. So, you know, I, I talked to him afterwards. Uh, we had a good, you know, good talk. Um, obviously, I wish it was better for me, you know. Yeah, I, again, I just want more from Carr, want more from him to really be that difference maker carrying this team. Washington, I mean, they're not known. That's been the, the frustrating part for me with the Raiders is two of these games here recently, the Bengals have been given up a ton of passing yards, and Washington's defense – a year ago was great with the, their front seven and the pass rush. And when they won the division, they were really getting after teams this year. They haven't been very good. And the Raiders have just looked blah against these, I would say subpar defenses in two of the last three or four weeks here. So that one's got to change as far as Steelers and Ravens yesterday. That game was what you'd expect from those two. That's one of the football's great rivalries. And I personally loved the decision to go for two. I am more of a coach needs to play aggressively. I'm telling you, players want that. Fans may not. Well, they will if you score. Oh, great call. If you don't, they're mad. They, oh, why wouldn't you go to overtime? I think if it's kind of in your DNA, and I even liked Coach Harbaugh's response afterwards. He said, look, our corners were hurt. Uh, they, he felt like they had to end the game there. And they did, one way or the other. It wasn't in a positive way for them. But you're on the road. You had the right play. You could see it was open. Um, you got the the blitz on that side, and you know Lamar Jackson bought enough extra time, just led Edwards just just too much, and couldn't get into the end zone. And it was an opportunity there. Uh, I said Andrews. I mean Edwards. It's Andrews, Mark Andrews. But um, it was really an open situation there, and I like it when coaches play that way, address it that way, coach that way, and. I mean, we we don't know what would have happened in overtime. I guess technically Tucker could have missed the extra point. I doubt he would have. But you just had one earlier with um, missing on the other end for the Steelers. So I'm for it. I thought it was the right call. I thought it was the right decision. Even the right play was called. Sometimes you just have to execute, and they didn't quite do it there. A couple other things that stood out yesterday. Chiefs convincing win over the Broncos. Still not another big day for Patrick Mahomes uh, overall, but a win is most important there. We mentioned the Dolphins staying hot. They beat the Giants. That's not a grand feat, but uh, from 1-7 to 6-7 is impressive. It really is. 
Cardinals stay impressive now to 10 and 2. And uh, Tom Brady, four more touchdowns, 370 yards, I believe it was. And right now, sure seems to be the front runner for the league's MVP. Just absolutely amazing. All right, 30 minutes of show to go as we're going to get you to Monday Night Football, New England and Buffalo. Oh, Chris, I was going to show you this video too. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the punter, I think it's for the Bills, was, or I don't know, actually, I don't know who it was. One of the punters was warming up today. I'll describe it this way. He was standing at the left hash mark at his own 20, and he purposely threw the ball straight up in the air to see where if it would come back to him. It went backwards outside the numbers and landed at the 8-yard line. So he threw it straight up in the air from the tw- his left hash mark 20, goes up, back, over him, lands left of him, left of the outside numbers, and at the 8. Uh, I'm going to love this game. Win's going to be a problem. I'm going to love this. Yes. A major, major problem. All right, when we come back, the Kings with a win over the Clippers, and we'll update the linear championship as well, and the Kings week ahead, Orlando, Charlotte, Cleveland. We'll get into all that and more as we continue here on KHTK. Hey, Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street, downtown Sacramento. Final half hour before we get you to Monday night football. As uh, the Bills will be hosting the Patriots. Big game in the AFC East, also for the playoff implications. Uh, certainly the standings there in the AFC East. But a chilly, cool, crisp night. Windy, snow flurries. Man, make sure you check that one out. Again, we're going to have it for you here. On KHTK. All right, NBA over the weekend. The Kings, it was kind of a quiet weekend. They had played uh, middle of last week, then were off until a Saturday, and they took on the Clippers, and really it was a lot of good things that happened in the game for the Sacramento Kings, and they needed it, and it was great to see a, kind of another collective performance in a Kings win. Fox trying to fight through. George drives inside. What a great adjustment. Missed the shot. Tip missed by Zubots. Kings come away with it. They've got numbers. Five on three. Davion, no look pass. Bagley with a two-hand flush. Oh, that was sweet transition right there. A five on three push. And it's 90 to 76 in favor of Sacramento. Here's Davion Mitchell with a quick push into the paint. Backdoor cut. Halliburton kicks to the corner. Davis for three. He's got the triple. 98-92. Ty Lue takes time out. 2.48 to go. Six-point Sacramento lead on their 12th made three-pointer of the night in 34 attempts. Yeah, Kings play with the lead most of the night, and they beat the Clippers for the second time in as many games to get them to 10-14. and 14. Most importantly, another home win, and the Kings just have been so bad at home this year. That's only their fourth home win. Their road record's respectable, beyond respectable, at 500 at 6-6, six and six, but just 4-8 and eight at home. Um, but a good win. Paul George did play. De'Aaron Fox guarded him very well. George was, what, something like 5 of 20, I think, something like that in the game. So Fox was good defensively, good enough offensively. Halliburton was solid. Uh, Terrence Davis, another big game from TD. That's really good for him. He's had a couple of those last year for the Kings, and now we've seen a couple in a row here in that starting lineup and knocking down six threes. And that was really big for him. And then Marvin. Marvin got good run in 20 minutes, a double-double. And now you hope some reinforcements are coming. Like we said earlier in the show, that uh, according to Coach Gentry, the Kings are going to hopefully have Mo Harkless and Harrison Barnes on Wednesday. Those two guys have been upgraded to questionable. They've been out. And, you know, you want to see this team have its full complement of players, play for each other, play hard, put together good stretches of basketball, which has just escaped them this year. I like the way they started the season, but after that first about seven, eight games, it's just been way too up and down, way too up and down. Now, the week ahead, we always say how dangerous it is, it is to to play that game. You would say, oh, they could beat Orlando. Of course they can. But would it shock you if they didn't? It shouldn't at this point if you watch enough NBA and certainly enough Kings basketball. But – the, the question I think a lot of people are, are wondering, and I'm wondering myself, is since Alvin Gentry has taken over, remember he started with that Sixer game, and that game felt like a such a bad night for the Kings to lose to Philly, who had all five starters out. The Kings were at home, and they lost. And so 
I had said this last week that Alvin Gentry in just his first couple of games had experienced everything. He had a home loss to a Philly team that didn't have its starting five. He then had a really good win against Dame and the Blazers. Another really good win to a fully loaded Laker team on the road in triple overtime. And then went to Memphis and lost to the Grizzlies without jaw by, I think it was almost 30, and it was worse at some points. So you go, man, those are those first couple of games. That is the true ride of a Kings fan, coach, player. And then since then, two more wins. So, you know, you look at his overall record of four and three, that's not going to blow anybody away. And I don't know if it's if it's that difference, if it's getting message number 500 to the players that, hey, you guys have to play better because they've been embarrassed other seasons. They've had close calls in games that I thought would help them translate into a, a, a more – with that continuity into a more productive closing lineup that hasn't happened. They've been embarrassed. They've had all those things happen to them. And here they are at 10 and 14. And we know there's games that they left out there that they certainly could have a better record. But as you kind of now look at the overall picture in the NBA of all years to me, it's even easier than ever to be in the top 10. And that's what's also been so frustrating for... I think for Kings fans and for people that, like this year, I told you, I'll be on. I really thought that the Sacramento Kings were going to win somewhere around 44 games or more, to be honest with you, and be a playoff team really without much of a struggle. And I thought they had a chance to be a seeded team, a top six, not even in the play-in. And technically, sure, I guess that's all still possible. There's a long way to go. But my belief on that and where I'm, clearly wrong is that I thought based on having all these guys back that had played so much together and other teams kind of going through changes, like when the Kings play the Lakers, let's for example, in the preseason, and I know preseason doesn't matter. And that's not my point on the head to head matchup, but just watching the two teams, I went, man, the Lakers have two players from last year's team back two, or it was three AD LeBron and Taylor Horton Tucker. That's it. Well, it's going to take time for them to figure it out. The Kings, Everybody that was out there, it all played together, with the exception of maybe Davion Mitchell, Tristan Thompson. That's it. So I'm like, they're so far ahead of everyone else based on that. They got off to a decent start, and then the rough times have hit. But even with all that said, it really looks like there are three teams that have figured it out in the West, and that's the Warriors, the Suns, who are both 19-4, and four, and then the Jazz, the team that I like to come out the West the most at 16-7. and seven. From that point on, you actually have Memphis that has gotten hot, winners of four in a row, that is three games above 500. There are four teams in the Western Conference above 500. Four. When it used to be, oh, man, the West is so good. The year the Kings were the nine seed before they had the play-in game, they went 39 games, and they were ninth, but they were about seven games out of the playoffs. So, yeah, they were one spot, but seven games. Now, they're currently 11th. But they are two games out of being in fifth. So a good week changes that. A bad week sends you the other way. And what will it be? I I, I think it's probably going to be more of this. If I had to predict now and modify my my projections, there are going to be some good weeks. There's going to be some head-scratching weeks. And you're going to get people that there's carnage all over the place. I mean, after Memphis, Clippers, Lakers, Mavericks, Nuggets – all 500. Timberwolves are below. Blazers are two games below. And the Kings are now four games below, one game back. Behind the Kings, you got actually the Spurs, who are hot, who have won four in a row. The Rockets, who are the first team ever to have a 15-game losing streak, followed up by a six-game win streak. That's crazy. They're 7-16. and 16. OKC is 6-16. Six and 16. They've lost eight in a row. And you know what? i got to look this up. Have they won... Since they beat the Kings? Oh, yeah, they've won one game since then. Okay. Um, that's a game, another game, 50-50 game that really got away from the Kings. And then the Pelicans are in last at 7-19. and So the bottom is is playing a little bit better lately. The middle part is just getting chewed up. So it feels like there's a separation with the top three. Four through 11, all kind of jumbled up. And then that 12 through 15, still trying to make a push. To me, the East has been better. 
more consistently, more there's more good teams there. But as you look ahead for this week, the Kings play Orlando, who five and nineteen. It's not a great team, but the Kings can't look at it that way, can't look at record, have to look at playing good basketball. Then they go on the road on a road trip that sends them to Charlotte. And the news about the Hornets today, the Hornets are down. Chris, was it four players that they have in COVID right now? I think it was four that you were telling me before the show. Because I know they are uh, certainly have some team issues that had entered protocol. Yeah, here it is, four. LaMelo Ball, Jalen McDaniels, Mason Plumley, and Terry Rozier are all Oh, but it. then it got added uh, Ish Smith. And Ish Smith. So yes. there's five. Now, I don't know how long that'll take. But the Kings face them on Friday. It's only Monday. Uh, Saturday, the Kings will play the Cavs. And then Monday on the wraparound after the weekend, they will get Cle- uh, they will get Toronto, the second matchup of the year. So f- next four games are Eastern Conference teams for the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, just chipping away, trying to improve, trying to get better, trying to get healthier. And... You know, it's it's when they take two steps back, they, I don't feel like they take two full steps forward. They take one and a half maybe. And they're chipping away at it because just a few days ago it just felt so bad. It felt so low. But two wins will help. And two good wins. Clippers are a good team. They're a nice team. And for the Kings to get to 10 and 14, you really would like to just see them put on a stretch, though, where it's doesn't have to be like seven in a row, but can they win seven of 10, something like that? And do that more repeatedly. And then get yourself into that mix, mix of teams. And that's been my opinion this whole season when you look at the record, do you really look at the Clippers that much better than the Kings? The Lakers? Uh, Portland? Dallas? Minnesota? I don't. Now, record-wise, they are, but it's not drastic. So, with December 15th coming up as that next kind of featured date on the NBA trade picture, not the trade deadline... But the timeline for when people that were traded in the offseason are all now available as as potential trade partners. I got to believe the Kings, with some roster holes here, a roster flaw, have to look at making some moves. Especially since before the season with Luke Walton, the goal was to make the postseason. After the dismissal of Luke Walton, the goal was still to make the postseason. We know how important it is to the organization They hate being on this wrong end of a 15-year non-playoff drought. If that is still the goal, and it should be, and it's very attainable, I think you have to be aggressive and pull the right strings and get a move that makes you clear yourself of this Spurs, Rockets, Thunder, Pelicans group, vault yourself into that Grizzly, Clipper, Laker, Maverick, Nugget, Timberwolf, Blazer group, and those teams... If they don't make a move or if they have injuries, like the irony of Memphis getting into that four spot is they've done this without jaw and had that streak going right after he got hurt. So there will be more injuries around the league and likely to the Kings too. We can't assume, oh, it's just going to be picture perfect. And Barnes and Harkless, I mean, losing them, that's they're so thin at that position already that those are your two guys that basically can play 3-4 or consistently. And now you've had to change things up, either playing smaller or bigger. And they're still trying to find uh, the best results with those two guys out. But it does seem like they may be back uh, come Wednesday. All right, final break. When we come back, more from the weekend. College football's wild weekend. Congrats to Folsom High. We'll talk about that as well and more as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Final segment here of the show before we get you to Monday Night Football. New England and Buffalo. Got some more football in reaction to the weekend coming up in a moment. Uh, We were talking NBA in that last segment. Uh, Chris, we were off a couple days to end the week last week. The linear championship has been rolling right along. I think we've got an update, don't we? We do. Okay. What's the latest? Oh, you don't remember? I don't. Oh. Oh. I remember the Knicks had it. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yes, that's that's old news. So let's see let's see what the uh, announcement is. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the 
this contest. And new. Wait, the Bulls had it. Oh, that means, yeah, because the Nets beat the Knicks. Nets beat the Knicks. And the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls, they beat the uh, Nets. Yeah, they're going to have to do it without uh, DeMar DeRozan. That's right. He's now out. Um, yeah, but the Kings are going to the East. Any chance? What, what's the Bulls' next path here? Uh, it's looking, I don't know, because they've got the Nuggets tonight. So okay, Denver hasn't that. had it yet, right? I don't uh, think they have this year. Let's see. Yes, they did. Oh, they did early October on October 29th. Oh, way early. Then they lost to the Grizzlies. Oh, oh okay. Uh, oh, that's right. When they they had the back to back. Um, what's Chicago's next game is tonight. Then, ooh, then they play Cleveland. And then the Kings play Wednesday. Cleveland. So does Cleveland play anybody before? Uh, Cleveland plays Minnesota the night before, Friday. And that's when the Kings play, too. So both be on the second night of a back-to-back. So what we're hoping for is the Bulls to win tonight. Yes. Lose to the Cavs. Cavs beat the T-Wolves. Cavs beat the Timberwolves. Then Saturday, it's on. For the first time this year, the Kings will be playing for the linear championship. All right, so we got our plan. The plan is in effect. Most times when we put this plan out there, it doesn't work. Most times. But this seems doable. Yeah. Eh, eh. Cleveland's good. Cleveland's having a good year. Bulls are good, though, too. So are the Nuggets. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, we shall see. We I shall was trying see. to remember. Oh, yeah, because I had a stupid rejoiner for the Nuggets. What was no, the Denver it was one? The, it was the <laughs> from City Slickers 2. The gold's mine, see? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You like City Slickers 2 more than most people Ooh. like it. I love City Slickers, too. <laughs> like the question we had for all our guests, hosts, which movie do you like more than most people? Yours ends up being MacGruber, because that's going to be the answer for you all the time. But City Slickers 2 would be up there for you, too. Yeah, like, City Slickers is like, eh, that's fine. Yeah, the movie's good. City Slickers 2 is bad, but John Lovitz makes the entire movie. Come on. Said by just you. John Lovitz. I quote that movie. That's probably... Top five quotable movies for me is no. City Slickers too. Yeah, it shouldn't be, but it is because it's bad for you. I even take the quotes that they do from The Godfather. I'm not quoting The Godfather. You're quoting. I'm it quoting from City, City Slickers too. <laughs> quoting Godfather. Oh man! All right, college football. This was announced today. Uh, the Heisman finalists, though, it's likely going to go to Bryce Young. Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett. Um, you got Aiden Hutchinson and C.J. Stroud as the final four going for the Heisman Trophy. What a weekend in college football. The final four is set, and Cincinnati finally did it. A break free and break loose. They get into that top four after uh, Michigan is in there as well. And then you had the matchup this weekend with Alabama and Georgia. There's the knee. And Alabama has again done you know, folks, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Alabama is still Alabama. <laughs> they won by 17 in the SEC championship game. And from a team that seems shaky, seemed wobbly, they're going to go into the Final Four as the number one team. And you knew they wanted to separate Alabama and Georgia, and they did. So it's Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati in the Final Four. Um, there's more coaching carousels going on uh, in college football. Mario Cristobal is leaving. He is going to Oregon. That's opened up a ton of speculation there, including Chip Kelly possibly going back to Oregon. But these coaches are just changing positions and changing uh, schools rapidly. Also, uh, if you had a chance to uh, follow it or check it out this weekend, still brokenhearted about Sacramento State's loss on Saturday night. What a great season for the Hornets, but they lost as the four seed at home to South Dakota State. Chris, you went to that game. You checked that one out. I did. You were at Hornets Stadium. Yeah, about 10,000 there, and the Hornets just ran out of time. Uh, they were down 24 nothing. needed about two more minutes. I felt like they were going to catch them, but um, too many turnovers early on, down 24 nothing. ultimately lost that one 24-19. So their great season has come to an end. And speaking of great seasons, congratulations to Folsom High School. Now, they've had so many great things happen over the years, but that win on uh, Friday, beating De La Salle uh, to advance a one-point victory 
Uh, it was just a, a breakthrough, groundbreaking type win. And congratulations to to Folsom for getting that done. It was really an eventful weekend of a lot of different sports, certainly college football, high school football, and uh, all the things going on in the NFL. So congrats to all of them. That's going to do it for us. We do have Monday night football coming your way next. Do want to remind everybody you're going to be off for a couple days, Tuesday and Wednesday, back at it for Thursday uh, and Friday shows. That's coming your way. Uh, but Monday night football is coming your way next right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.